everyone, welcome back to the Audio DT with Reb T, the Audio Devar Torah with Reb T, the show where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We are dealing with one of my favorite characters in the entire Torah, maybe in the entire Tanakh, that of course of Avraham, the pillar of Chesed. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the contrast between Avraham and Noah, and of course we're going to talk about it again. This time we're going to use a source from Chabad to talk about and analyze the difference between the two. Of course, I'm not a rabbi, I'm not a great sage or any maforish or commentator on any level to judge or disparagate or anything against them. Just bringing to you the sources with some practical lessons for ourselves, what we could try to take at the end of the day from our discussion. All of our Shi'urim, along with the other shows, remember, are on shiraenjoyment.com. So if you're listening here, please feel free to check out all the other shows and previous episodes. So let's look in Vayera here, in the Parsha, where Avram confronts Hashem. He finds out that Avram wants to destroy Sodom. Hashem tells Avraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. Why does Hashem even tell Avram to begin with? Does Hashem have... A reason that he needs to tell Avraham, but Hashem metaphorically says to himself, you know, Avraham is this great pillar of chesed, he wants to do for others, if he didn't know about this, it would be sacrilegious for me to do such a thing, using one of the words from Rabbi Artscroll, you know, Avraham needs to know about this, because he would want to pray for them, if he didn't know about it, had he known about it, he would have said, I would have prayed for them, I would never let you do such a thing, Hashem, you gotta let me know, Hashem felt on some level, Avram has to be aware, made aware of this. Maybe Avram will pray for them. Maybe Avram will try to save them because that's what Avram does. Avram is a chesed-oriented person, an other-oriented person, a selfless person looking out for others even if they're sinners, even if they have much evil within them because Avram looked as we should all look as a person as a whole. The sum total of all their actions, all their parts. We tend to focus on a very negative aspect of a person, a very negative viewpoint or worldview or habit, addiction, affliction, or illness, but that doesn't define the person. Avram is literally praying for Saddam, which are evil, corrupt people, because he knew they had Selem Elohim, they had a divine spark. And it, the, the idea of Hashem reaching out to Avram, I believe, are, is written out in the Mepharshim or the commentators, or at least the notes in the art scroll. I remember reading it. It wasn't my own idea. But when Avram comes to these people, Avram looks at them as divine beings who deserve to be saved. It's better to save them for them to do tshuva than to kill them. And, it, and we talk about in, in maybe the Yom Kippur davening, I forget where, that Hashem would rather have people do tshuva than for them to be destroyed and killed. It's better for a person to come back it's better to do tshuva than to be killed off. Hashem wants the person, a Russia or somebody who sins to do tshuva and to come back. And if he's presented with the same situation, to rise up and not succumb, that's the best type of tshuva. To be in the same situation and not stumble, that's the best way of going. But Avram comes to Hashem. So in the Pasuk, Avram confronts Hashem and said, Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Can you imagine the righteous zealotry, the righteous indignation of Avraham, the righteous chutzpah coming against Hashem and telling him, you're going to destroy them if they're righteous? We know the famous argument, if there are 50, and then there's 40, then 30, 12, 30, 20, 10. Why does he go through each one? They say that he wanted to see 10 people in each in each town that were righteous, a minion. And if not, then Hashem would join with 9 people in each town that were a minion. And if not, going all the way down to one person in each town, 
10 towns or 10 mini towns, whatever, and, and, um, and getting to them, five towns, I mean, and if there's, and if there's, uh, different people, whatever the math is, I'm not able to do the math at the moment, but whatever way to get them together to add up, Avram went all the way from 50 to 10. Avram's trying to, to, to come to Hashem because we should realize we should come and stand up for other people. We should want people to do tshuva. We should want people to repent rather than, God forbid, being destroyed. It's better for people to do tshuva and come back than anything else. The sources are from Chabad. And let's look at what the, the Shmos Rabba points out in Rashi. So Avram approaches and says, it means we find the expression approaching for war in Shmuel Bet. Yoav drew forward, of course, the general of David, a very complex character, and approaching for placating below in Parag Mem Dalid. And Yehuda approached him, and approaching also is for prayer, which comes from Malachan Aleph, and Elijah, Eliyahu, the prophet, came near. For all of these, Avram approached on behalf of Sodom, which were sinners, because Avram cared so much about another human, so much about another person, even if they sinned, even if they didn't have the morals that Avram himself had, even if they did things, had viewpoints and actions that Avram didn't approve of, he still came and he prayed for them. He advocated for them. He spoke harshly for them against Hashem when he requested justice. He tried to placate for them, and he tried to pray for them. He tried to advocate advocate as a lawyer on their behalf. He used all of these words, Rashi points out, approaching, as speaking, har- speaking harshly, placating, trying, trying to calm Hashem down, coming to Hashem, and praying for them. Avram stood up for them, even if they weren't the type of worldview that he would have. That is a lesson in and of itself for ourselves. We should come on behalf of others, even if we don't agree with what they do, what they say, how they act, with things they do. Don't make the mistake of hating a person, of, of really being upset at a person, rather be upset at their actions, their decisions, or their faults. But understand that a person is much larger than one or two actions or 1% of his personality. A person is not all white, is not all black, is very much areas of the shade of gray. It's like a white canvas with a lot of black splotches of sins. Avram knew he had to come up and try to pray for them and save them because no one else is going to. Will you even destroy, Rashi points out in the Chabad sources, will you also destroy, and according to the translation of Unclus, who rendered Ath as an expression of wrath, this is its interpretation. Will wrath entice you that you should destroy the righteous with the wicked? Even if a whole city has a lot of evil, there's still some redeeming elements. That's the idea in Perkei Avos, Ezehu chacham halomeid mi kol adam. And I would say, Ezehu chacham halomeid mi kol makom, mi kol sha'ah, mi kol everything. A person who learns something from everything, something from everyone. We're supposed to learn something from everyone. So from an evil person, we learn to have good zealotry. He might be zealous to run to eat that cheeseburger when he's not supposed to. So we should use zealotry for good. For someone that's easily angered, maybe we should be easily angered to do mitzvot and easily angered on behalf of Hashem to do good. We can learn something from everyone. There is always righteousness among the bad. Even if a city is 95% bad, there's still 5% good you can learn from it. There's still 5% of people that should be saved, 5% that could be done. In every situation, every place, every person, there's something we could learn from. And the Perkevels also points out, 
It's about the idea of 15 minutes of fame. Everyone and everything has its place. Everyone and everything has its time to shine. You think about even the spider that saved David's life when Shaul was looking for him and realized that the cave had a spider web. David couldn't have been there, even though it was a miracle that it was made overnight. And you think about how everything has its way. Even a little fly mosquito destroyed Turnus or, or whoever the evil person was in the Gemara explaining this very powerful figure in the Gemara, Hashem sent a tiny, tiny creature. We have no idea why Hashem makes so many creatures, but this creature destroyed that haughty, arrogant, evil, evil person. And that, I say evil person because he had many, many evil deeds. He himself was seen as a very evil person, the Gemara points out. The Zohar, the Chabad sources point out, compares the actions of two righteous men. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's good to reiterate in a different type of a spin. Noah and Avram are contrasted by the Zohar. When confronted with the knowledge that Hashem intended to destroy their fellow human beings for their wickedness, what happened? Again, I'm not a sage, I'm not a rabbi, I'm not a commentator, just a regular balabais, just reb team, but pointing out what the Zohar is saying here. Noah set about building an ark, an ar- a-, a teva, that would shelter the handful of righteous individuals remaining in a corrupt world. So Noah went and built an ar- aram, a teva, excuse me, for 120 years, but there was no Baal Tshuva during that time. There was no one that was swayed, there was no one that was persuaded during this whole time. They jested at him, they mocked him, made fun of him, and he himself went in the teva once the water was reaching his, his legs. He went to make a teva that would shelter those handful of individuals. In addition, the Metrish describes how he tried to convince his generation. He did try. He did, did try. To mend their ways, he tried to convince them to mend their ways and thus be saved from the divine decree. But the Zohar faults Noah for not also praying for their sake, as Abraham did for the wicked inhabitants of Sodom. So Noah tried as much as he could to get them to do tshuva, to mend their ways. Noah and Abraham obviously had very different personalities, different spheres of influence, different characteristics, different personas. Noah might not have been the, the as much of a Kirov person, as much as a, a tshuva-elemented person like Avram, getting people to mend their ways, but he still tried whatever he can, which is another lesson for us. Even if we're not made for X, Y, and Z, we're not made to be a Kirov rabbi. We're not made to be a rabbi at the pulpit. We still could do what we can. We could still try to influence, and we shall still should try to influence people as best we can, whatever talents we have. We should still try to help people and be involved in Kirov a little bit. So just have a family that's not so observant for a Shabbos meal. No one says you have to lead Eshet Torah, or Or Semelch, or Chabad, or whatever, but be involved a little bit. Contribute whatever you can. You don't have to be a rabbi at the pulpit, but if you're able to write or speak and influence the masses and do so, you should do so, or write or compose whatever you could do, you should do. Noah might not have been as successful as Avram, but at least he tried. You have to at least try. If you have a talent, a knack, an ability for something, you have to try and use it. You have to reach out. Even if you fail again and again and again, you have to keep trying. Reach out. If you have an idea, but most people shoot it down, still try to shoot it out there, and still try to get it out there as much as you can. Lubavitcher Rabbi explains that the fact that Noah did not pray for the wicked of his generation implies 
that ultimately it did not matter to him what became of them. Again, no one's judging here. We're just explaining what the source is saying. Had he truly cared according to the sources, he would not have sufficed with doing his best to bring them to repent, but would have implored the Almighty to repeal his decree of destruction. Just as a person whose own life is in danger would never say, well, I did my best to save myself and leave it at that, but would beseech God to help him at all costs to the ends of the degrees of all aspects. In other words, Lubavitcher Rebbe explains, Noach's efforts on behalf of others derive solely from his sense of what he ought to do for them, as opposed to a true concern for their well-being. This was the extent of his love, his own need to do the right thing. Very often in our lives, there's a difference between the right thing and going above and beyond. What we ought to do as to opposed to the true concern of what should be done. We ought to be involved in X, Y, and Z. But what really should be done? We ought to help people and give a tenth. But what really should be done? They really need a fifth of your time, your money, your resources. I ought to help a little bit. I ought to be involved a little bit, but that's not enough. Sometimes it's not what you ought to do. It's what needs to be done for the true concern of the well-being of the people involved. It really needs to be above and beyond what you ought to do, but it needs to be for the real concern of the well-being of the people as a whole. That was the extent of his own love, his own need to do the right thing. Sometimes we can't just do what we ought to do. We can't just do the basis of the right Thing, of the halacha, of the, the sum of the matter, we have to go above, above and beyond what's needed to be done. We can't just do the basics, we have to go, we have to go above and beyond what's necessary. We have to be involved farther than what's asked for us. So you give the tzedakah, you give the tenth of your money, you give the tenth of your time, you give the tenth of your resources. But we have to do a little more than that. We have to go above and beyond. I ought to help and give a little bit of my time to the shul. I ought to give a little bit, a little bit, but go above and beyond, do a little more. Noah was doing what he ought to do as opposed to the true concern. It's the idea of going with the idea of going in the spirit of the matter, in the spirit of the law. Like, yeah, it's good that you gave 10 minutes to help this cause, but go a little above and beyond. Give 20 minutes. Everyone's asked in the community to give 10 minutes to a particular cause. Go and give 15 minutes. Go and give 20 minutes. No one's going to fault you and nothing's going to happen if you give an extra 5 minutes, an extra dollar here and there, an extra concern here and there. Going above and beyond is really what we're supposed to do. It's the idea of being extra generous, the idea of being really involved. The idea of really getting involved as much as possible. This also explains a curious aspect of Noah's efforts to reach out to the generation, to his own generation. It's interesting to think what is going on in his own generation. When the flood came, we talked about a few weeks ago, Noah and his family entered the Teva alone. The 120-year campaign yielded not a single Baal Tshuva like we talked about that time. Maybe the relations were never his strong point, but he didn't get even that single person. So we know that you have to be involved. You have to be in, in embedded in yourself in helping those around you. You might not have the most tshuva-oriented personality in terms of kirov, in terms of getting involved. You have to be 
involved as much as you can. It might not be your strong suit, but you have to have the right motives. You have to have words from the heart to end penetrate the heart. You have to do it in the right way. Understand if you're trying to change a person, if you're doing it from the right thing. You have to do the right thing, fulfill the mitzvah to love your fellow as yourself, and you have to really care about the result. You have to be involved without personal motives, but really to be involved to reach out to help people to actually want to help them. When you reach out to people, it should be for a selfless reason for their own good, not just because you want to accrue some chesed hours or take on a project that will make you feel better about yourself. You have to really be involved with personal pure, with personal reasons for them, not personal reasons of your own, but pure motives and pure ability to try to help them. Maybe that's what Noach didn't have. Of course, it's not me judging or talking, really. It's going through the sources again. Avram, on the other hand, possessed a selfless love for his fellow man, as demonstrated by his daring intervention on behalf of the five sinful cities of the Sodom Valley. Avram petitioned God on their behalf using the strongest terms to demand of God that he spare these cities for the sake of the few righteous individuals they might contain. He challenges God using very strong language. It behooves you not to do such a thing. He challenges Hashem. Shall the judge of the universe not act justly? Avram was prepared to incur God's wrath upon himself for the sake of the most corrupt of sinners, giving precedence to their physical lives over his own spiritual integrity. Again, Avram was able to reach out and petition Hashem on the sake of really corrupt people, giving forwardness to their physical lives, their physical needs over his own spiritual integrity. Avram was really there for other people, was reaching out for other people, was involved in other people. He was my car of other people we talked about last week, being involved with trying to reach out to them, giving them the physical nourishment, giving them the spiritual nourishment. Asher Nefesh, Asher Asu Becharan, the Parsha said, taking with him the people that he converted, the people he brought to the right way, him and Sarah, him for the men and Sarah for the ladies, for the woman. And Avram was involved in even dealing with corrupt people, corruption, because he saw that there was deep down there could be good and we could change them and help them want to change themselves. A person who's involved with others has to get the others to want to change themselves. You can't force it upon them. You can't have personal motives upon them. But you have to help them work it out for themselves. And he did it in a way that emanated good, selflessness, really being there for other people. And I'm sure people could realize that. I'm sure people could see that. I'm sure people could feel that. Avram, when he did so, was doing it for the good of others and trying to bring good into the world. Avram possessed such a selfless love for other people because people sensed that he had their own good and only their own good at heart, they responded. For us, if we're involved with other people, we want to help other people, we want to influence other people, make sure we do it within our own hearts for their own good.
and only for their own good, not for personal motives, not for selfish reasons, not for our own ego, not to raise ourselves up and to compare ourselves to others that we feel better about ourselves, but really for the own good of others. And people can sense when you're being fake and when you're being true. People can sense can sense when you're when you're involved with others and there's real passion to help others and when it's fake. People can sense when there's real good involved and when there's not. When Avram and Sarah left Haran for the Holy Land, they were joined by the souls which they had made in Haran. This phrase we mentioned last week and this week. The community of men and women who had rallied to their cause. The community of men and women that Avram and Sarah were able to influence. Avram and Sarah were able to affect. Avram and Sarah that they were able to unite in the service of Hashem. That they were able to bring close to the service of Hashem. 65 years later... Avram was able to say to his servant Eliezer, when, uh, when Hashem summoned me from the house of my father, he was God of the heavens, but not of the earth. The inhabitants of the earth did not recognize him. His name was not referred to in the land. But now that I have made his name familiar in the mouths of his creatures, he is God in both heaven and of earth. That's the wonderful aspect, the wonderful ability of Avram. He is able to influence others. He's able to care for others. He's able to do for others, to petition on behalf of others, even really not righteous people, even corrupt people, even people that are not involved in the right ways and the right mannerisms, the right aspects of service of Hashem. Because when you're an Avram person, you have the right elements, you have the right traits, you have the humility, you have the embarrassment, you have the kindliness, you have the good heart, and you have the generosity and the chesed. Avram wanted to be involved in all aspects of helping people. We should be involved in all aspects of helping people, especially if it's people that we wouldn't want to normally help. Because it goes against our nature. They're evil. They do evil things. They have evil actions. But no, Avram teaches us we have to specifically petition on their behalf. Look for the good in every person. Even if they have viewpoints that's different than yourself. Even if they do actions that are different than yours that you don't agree with, that you don't like, you don't approve of, you still have to talk on their behalf. You still have to pray on their behalf. You still have to intercede on their behalf. But you have to do it in a way that emanates good and comes from a good place and comes from a good aspect, a good idea and a good way of doing it because people will tell, people will know, people will feel if you're coming in a just way, if you're coming in a right way, if you're coming in a in a, in a good aspect and a good mannerism, people could tell if it's fake or it's not. And again, Avram came to Hashem on behalf of the sinners in three ways. He placated and he approached, he spoke harshly and he prayed. He was involved in different aspects of trying to help these people. Even if at first you don't succeed with others, you try, try, try again. Even if you fail, you try, try, try again. Not just with people, but with endeavors, with ideas, inventions, or aspects you might have. Even if it's shot down a hundred times, but you know, and Hashem give, gave you this idea, you know it's really good. It's really beneficial. You really have to reach out and try, try again, again. I'm really giving myself, Musser, 
But in general, when you have something that you're really passionate about, you really want to do, you have to try again. You placate on the behalf of it. You pray to Hashem on behalf of it to get it out there. And you have to do your shtalis. You have to be involved getting it out there as much as you can. Realize that even if there are areas that have wickedness, there's still much good to be found. That's the idea. Everything Hashem invents has good and bad. Everything Hashem invents and brings to us could be used for good or bad. And everything that we have has elements of good and bad. You know, there's the internet and there's the smartphone, there's the laptop and there's technology, there's the TV and the movies, but everything is good and bad. You could use it for shiurim, you could use it for spreading Torah, you could use it for showing wonderful ideals of Torah mitzvahs in the Jewish way, or God forbid you could use it for the opposite. There's always good in the bad. Avram realized that there was righteousness even amongst the wicked. Avram realized that there was good even amongst the wicked. Avram realized that we can't destroy the righteous with the wicked. We have to take all elements and find the good, take out the good, elevate the good. The whole idea of the Jewish way of life is taking the mundane and elevating it, elevating it, taking something mundane and finding the good and making it go up and elevating, putting a spark of holiness in it, taking the wine, taking the grape juice and elevating it with a bracha, using it for kiddush, taking bread, the grain of the earth, the bread of the earth, elevating it with a, with a bracha, making it and using it for Shabbos and using it for good things, taking all aspects and putting the spiritual into it. Because Avram realized how we can't destroy righteous with wicked. We have to take the good from the bad and find the good in all things around us. And understand there's a difference, a fundamental difference between Noah and Avram. Of course, we're not judging, but even if you're not such an Avram, even if you're not such a out-there person with such personality and care of ability, you still have to try at least like Noah tried. Again, he might not have been so successful, but at least he tried. We have to try in any way we can to reach out to people. Again, it could be something simple. Just having someone for a meal that's not really observing it, showing them what a Shabbos meal looks like. Saying a little Tvar Torah from a book or whatnot. Singing a little bit around the table, showing them a little bit what's involved. And make sure you pray for others as you pray for yourself. As much as you pray for yourself, you should pray for others. Make sure that it matters to you what happens to those around us. Call Yisrael our Ravim Zelazah. We're all responsible for one another. And we have to realize that even if our life isn't in danger, whether it be physical or spiritual, we should feel to take care of others. You should take care of others more than you would take care of yourself. You should speak and daven on behalf of others more than you would for yourself. And they say, if you and someone else need something, if you pray for someone else, you'll be answered first. Because you realize how much it means to be selfless, to daven on behalf of others, to, to beseech Hashem on behalf of others, putting someone else's needs before your own, even if you yourself need the same thing. And it's also important to remember to go with Neymashur Sadin, doing what you ought to do versus what really should be done. Doing the basic versus what the real concern, what the real claw, the real need is in the world. You can get away with doing a mitzvah on the basic level. You could do tzedakah on the basic level. You could do achmasas orachim on the basic level. But it's much better to be a chassid, to be a righteous, pious person who goes above and beyond. And the word chassid means someone who's pious, someone who goes above and beyond the letter of the law, someone who goes l'fneimishur sadin for those around him, someone who actually helps out those around him, pushing himself a little farther to help out those around him, to be involved in those around him. Don't just settle for the ordinary. Don't just settle for the mundane, for the basic letter of the law. Alright, so I'll have a person, I'll fulfill Achnas' orchim twice a year. I'll do the mitzvah, I'll be Yodzim Achiyev and have someone 
twice a year. No, go above and beyond. Have people as much as you can when it's possible and safe to do so. Go above and beyond. All right, I'll get away with giving a tenth of tzedakah. Give more. Do more. Beseech more to others. Go above and beyond what's really expected at the basic level. Be involved as much as you can with all the years we have on earth. Noah had 120 years to be influential of others. We too should be zolcha to have 120 years. It's probably not a coincidence. Nothing in the Torah is coincidental. Nothing in life is coincidental. Everything comes from Hashem, Hashkacha. Exactly. But he had 120 years to influence others and he tried, tried, tried. We too, God willing, you may, you may, Shanim on this earth should be 120 years. We should be Zacha. We have 120 years to influence others. How are we going to influence others? Are we going to bring anyone back? Are we going to be involved in bringing people closer to Hashem and spreading the love of Hashem, spreading actions and ideas and deeds that are Makadashim Shemaim? We too, hopefully, have the 120 years. What are we going to do with it? Make sure, though, when you do so, your motives must be pure. Words from the heart enter the heart. Realize that you must have people's interests in heart and that you're doing it from a, a place of wanting to help them. To do the right thing, to love your fellow as yourself, make sure that you do it to really care about the other, really help the others. No personal motives, no personal ego, no selfishness involved, but really reaching out and trying to help them. Be selfless for your fellow man. Intervene on behalf of others, even if they're sinners. Everyone needs help especially if they're caught in bad habits, bad addictions, afflictions, or the like. Everyone needs help, especially from tzaddikim. Of course, I am not on any level, but we all need to be influenced by do-gooders around us, especially sages and role models. Any one of us can be a good role model. Even if we struggle with our own things, we could be good role models to everyone around us. Be like an Avraham. Understand to approach others. Understand to help others. Understand to be involved with others. Avraham was ready to incur Hashem's wrath on behalf of sinners, giving precedence to their physical lives over his own spiritual lives. People sensed he had their good at heart. People knew he had their good at heart, and that's why they responded. If people know that you have their good in heart, you have good intentions, you have good ability, you have good cause for them, they will not seek to be worried about the effects. Maybe they'll actually reach out and be let reached out to. Maybe they'll actually be affected. That's why Avram could say, I was able to affect heaven and earth. Look at all these people I was able to help. Look at all these people. You gave me 120 plus years, much more than 120, but we should all be Zohar 120. What were you able to say you did after 120 years? We're going to be held accountable for many different things after 120 years. Were you the best Yankel Shmeler you could have been? You're not going to be compared to 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 uh, Kolig Banoli, but you're going to be compared to yourself. If your name is Yankel Shmel, they're going to ask you, look what you could have done. Hopefully, you could say, I did do as much as I could. I lit up to be the best Yankel Shmel. Besides for learning Torah, trying to have children, and besides for doing honest dealings and being waiting for Mashiach, among other things, you could say, I led a good life, a wonderful life, a life inspired by Avraham, a life that was selfless, that I was able to reach out on behalf of others, even others that... Normally, I wouldn't want to because they have sins and whatnot. But Avram teaches us that we should be able to influence earth, to be able to influence the heavens and the earth, to be able to influence others in their spiritual and physical being without ulterior motives, just on behalf of others, with words that 
penetrate the heart with doing the right thing on behalf of someone else for the good of someone else, loving your fellow as yourself, being able to have people be closer to Hashem, doing it in the right way to be concerned for their well-being, and doing the things to help others as much as possible in your own generation, and coming to beseech them, be involved in them, and even to beseeching Hashem on their behalf. May we all be Zolcha to merit the light of Avraham and the um, to follow in his ways, to follow in his footsteps, to be a really chesed-oriented person, to be a really selfless-oriented person, to help others as much as we can, to bring the world to a state where there's more avat chinam, and that sin of chinam becomes extinct, so that we can merit the building of the third base of English, because we know that the base of English, one of them was destroyed because of sin of chinam. So the way to rectify it, not having baseless hate anymore, but having baseless love, if we could come to live our lives through the viewpoint, the personality, the ideals of an Avraham, being selfless, chesed-oriented, others-oriented, involving ourselves even on behalf of the wicked, quote-unquote wicked, maybe then we could bring the Avad Chinam to this world. Maybe then we could have the base Mikdash finally rebuilt and Mashiach come speedily in our days, may it be today. Join us next time as we talk the audio DT with Reb T. And I'm your host, Reb T.